welcome to Cones and Zones, the podcast where two best friends rewatch and rehash every episode of the 2010s NBC sitcom Parks and Recreation, brought to you by Kernston's Rubber Nipples. I'm Dan Grote, and technically I'm homeless. And I'm Matt Lazowitz, and I call Forks Food Rakes. And this week, we're breaking down Season 4, Episode 4, Pony Rangers, famed for originating the catchphrase, Treat Yourself. Best part of the year! Uh, Matt, how are you treating yourself this week? This week, I'm sitting back and I am doing nothing. And if you're listening... What ridiculous things are you buying for yourself? Oh, well, well, there are like five trades coming out this week that I I pre-ordered. Thank you, Diamond, for your scheduling nightmare. <laughs> I can't afford anything else. So many trades. Speaking of Diamond, I'm going to be buying more diamond-studded plates for my basement weight room. So that's how I'm treating myself, yourself. Very nice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's, we'll, we'll get into the episode here. Uh, this is this, the official synopsis from the Internet Movie Database. Uh, Ron's Pawnee Rangers and Leslie's competing scout group, the Pawnee Goddesses, share a weekend in the wilderness. Meanwhile, Ben joins Tom and Donna on Treat Yourself Day, and Chris takes an interest in Jerry's daughter. You know, I was hoping we'd be able to get another guest this week. I was really hoping we could get the actress who played Millicent Gergage, since we've been having such good luck getting, you know, all these side actors who've been on Parks and Rec over the course of our four seasons of this show. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, we were on a good streak for a little bit right there. You know, we had the actor who played Purd, we had Crazy Ira, we had Derry Murbles, but, uh, you know, uh, every once in a while, it's it's just you and me, and it's fine. You know, it's a good time. <laughs> you gotta treat yourself. Exactly, you know, num- number one lesson to this episode. Uh, but uh, I figured we would break, break it down, uh, sort of into the A plot, the B plot, and the C plot, all kind of neatly divided. Uh, and, and believe it or not, the whole treat yourself thing, while that is sort of the catchphrase that's lived on past this episode, not, not really the A plot, you know, uh, the, it's really the, uh, the Pawnee Rangers. It's, it's, it's a good old fashioned Ron and Leslie head to head in their competing ideals episode. So, you know, on the one side, you've got Ron Swanson's Pawnee Rangers, you know, your, your typical Boy Scouts uh, led by ron's sort of rugged you know libertarianism you know we're going to go camping with just the bare essentials and this is an enjoyable experience i assume for you uh children and then you've got uh leslie uh and and Anne and april and their pawnee goddesses and you know that's more of a a sort of glamping's not the right word for it but you know they're in cabins and it's a lot of arts and crafts you know, uh, maybe a little bit more wet, hot American summer idea of uh, of camping, you know, but with like, a you know, a little extra frill on it. This is one of those episodes that reminds us once again, just how almost psychotically competitive Leslie Nope is. She gleefully destroys Ron Swanson. She, there is joy in her in the way she takes her victory. You do not want to play any sort of game with Leslie Nope because she will destroy you and do it with a smile on her face. 
but then eventually she'll be she'll be shown that she's being a little overbearing and apologize and feel bad and you know yes but in that. the moment it it can be terrible it, it, it's why i don't play settlers of Catan because i was taught to play settlers of Catan by a the husband of a friend of amber's who's this very prim very proper british man who gleefully destroys you at board games and does it in such a nice way that's how i feel like it would be to to be in a competition with leslie no now how would you feel going up against this man in cones of dunshire oh see there i have an advantage for for ben wyatt and i share so much of our minds i think i could i could get behind i could i could go with cones of dunshire okay all right we got we got a ledgerman in the house yeah it is a you know that is a classic 4x euro i can go i can do that (laughs) oh nerd game terms excuse me what what does that mean uh well a euro there i was basically just throwing around random board gaming terms i'm i I don't think Cones of Dunshire is it is either a 4X or a Euro. 4X is explore. Exp- I can never remember what the 4X is, but it's a type of game that does you explore, you exploit, I believe is the next one. They're, uh, ga- Catan is a, a 4X, I believe. Um, where is it? The subgenre of, I, I need to look this up because it will drive me insane if I do not remember. Sure. The the four X's. Explore, expand, exploit, exterminate. They're they're mm-hmm. games of uh, civilization. Is a four X risk. That sounds like risk. Risk a little bit, but risk is usually risk is more a war game. Four X okay. is civilization building or settlement building. So you're not really building. You're just building an army in risk. In a normal 4X game, you're building, you know, the settlement. Okay. How about Monopoly? It, there's a little bit of Monopoly in that, right? Because you're exploring the board. You're exploiting the the resources and you, you, you exterminate your opponents. I guess. Or am I just I, like, I, I'm not getting this, am I? <laughs> it, it's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, they have a very... Uh, board gamers would be rolling their eyes at both of us, you know, and I mean, I'm a board game, but I'm not, you know, I, I am to board gaming what someone who gets, goes to the comic shop once a month to get their four books that they pull are to, that is, okay, okay, that is, I am to board games what someone who get who does that is to comics. It's yeah, because there are I mean there board there are hardcore board. I mean you, we all know there are hardcore everything. True, but but yeah, Ben is is a it, Ben would be a hardcore gamer. So uh, this this episode revisits something that I feel like happens a few times throughout the show. Uh, it revisits the idea that these characters do not know how to camp or or rough it, whereas Ron does. So there's this, there's the Pony Rangers, there's the episode where they all go camping and Tom brings DJ Roomba and they end up at uh, the Quiet Corn Bed and Breakfast. He um, died right after. 
<laughs> there's there's the episode where they all go on a hunting trip and Leslie accidentally shoots uh, Ron. Uh, you know, to a lesser extent, there's the episode where Ron tries to sell the cabin and all these like hipsters and, and developers come and, and, you know, take a look at it and say the terrible things they're going to do to it. But Donna, I bet you Donna could camp. Oh, 100%. But yeah, I mean, I mean the, the one where she and Ron go out hunting, you know, because he can't win the, the video game where you're hunting. So the two of them go out into the woods at night for hunting. Which also has a great moment with Donna. Like, Do you have a permit? <laughs> <laughs> they, okay, so we're we're going to talk a little bit more about about Donna later and her her many many facets because we're we're getting into the period where we're starting to learn about her and and who she is as a character. You know, it, like her her and Jerry for the first I don't know two seasons into the third, they're definitely sort of the the background characters. Uh, you know, but this is where they where they start to form as people. So we're gonna get it. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pin in that. Uh, but this is definitely sort of a, a trope of of the show over its uh, seven seasons. You know, they can't camp, and, and, and of course, who can camp? I can. Well, I mean, there are people who can camp, obviously, but you know, I, no, I, I am not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, my in, I have various in-laws who I'm sure could camp, but, but, you know, as I often say, we, we I, I'm a New York Jew. We pay people to do things like that. <laughs> I can say that. You can. So, so that's, that, that's, you know, uh, we, we get back to the competitiveness, you know, it turns out that, you know, the Pawnee goddesses are formed because boys weren't, or girls weren't allowed to join the Rangers. Then the Rangers, you know, decide that the girls have all the cool stuff they want to become goddesses uh you know leslie says no this is just for us girls and then the girls are all like but leslie and then they throw all her philosophy back in her face and she's like god damn it you're right (laughs) we see the the always delightful duo of ron and andy they don't interact a ton but i always love ron and andy because they're so different yet at the same time they always get along and this episode gives a good moment. Andy could easily be written as a real meathead, mm-hmm. not just kind of a dunce, which he is, but, you know, the kind of guy who would not. A different show would have had a character like Andy do some serious gay panic jokes when they're leading into them giving the Pawnee goddesses pledge. Okay, okay. But Andy Mm -hmm. goes right into it and is not bothered by that in the least. And that's a a good beat. I, I don't even think... I think first season Andy might not have been as chill with that kind of thing because that was a very different character and this is a a sign of how much that character has evolved over those seasons yeah and and you have you had to soften that character to bring him and april together obviously but you know once they get together it's definitely a a gentler but no less a gentler but no less enthusiastic uh andy dwyer absolutely so that's 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 the a plot, you know. Obviously, uh, Leslie and Ron mend their fence by the end of the episode. 
But uh, then we get into the B plot, which is which is treat yourself, uh, where where Tom and Donna take uh, Ben shopping on their uh, e- extravagant trip to the Eagleton Plaza Mall. Which, you know, thinking about that, it's weird to see a nice mall. <laughs> oh, maybe not when I, this episode it, aired, but but now. Oh, I will tell you flat out during the the heights of winter this year mm-hmm. when i wanted to go out for a walk and it was too really too cold to walk outside there's the morristown mall over in morristown, morristown. <laughs> and you know i don't you know still you know pandemic omicron was at its height yeah, I had no concern, you know, as long as I was masked walking around that mall because nobody was there at any point. Like I would go there on a Sunday afternoon. It was like, yeah, I could probably count the number of people in this mall on both my hands, both my feet. The the mall so, is not. So you went out to the mall. Morristown Mall. You you live near the Cherry Hill Mall. Yeah, Cherry Hill Mall is still pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Cherry Hill Mall still has a good number of people in it on a regular basis. Okay, it's mm-hmm. shocking. But, you know, I, I also tend to avoid the Cherry Hill Mall after I once got went during the early days of the pandemic when it was closed down. Yeah, I was I was walking across the parking lot, cutting across and security came and ran me off the mall because it was closed and no one is supposed to be there. And, and ever since then, despite it not being open, I'm like, I don't know, this place kind of sketches me out now. <laughs> I'm afraid they're gonna drag me away. Yeah, it, it's funny. I was just in the. You know what, folks? This is the South Jersey Mall corner of this episode. I I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> but I I was in the uh, the Hamilton Mall today for the first time in uh or yesterday for the first time in at least a year. You know, since since my comic shop had moved to uh, Summers Point. But uh, the second location closed and they, they condensed back into Maze Landing while they searched for a new secondary location. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just knowing that I don't have a reason to turn left and go into the rest of the mall for any reason is, is just sad. Although yeah. well, I did. I say I don't go to the Cherry Hill Mall, but I guess I, I was there today. So that, that, that puts the lie to that. But I don't go there very often. I, I needed to, to, to track down a, the Batman, Batman Funko Pop because I need that for my collection. And they have a hot topic. So, you know, there we go. I, I got my the Batman, Batman Funko Pop and he will join all of my other Batman Funko Pops. I, I was so going to say. <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> uh now I would be treating myself. <laughs> but do you have a, a, a Batman costume or have you ever had? I do not currently have a Batman costume. Shockingly, or not at, or by shockingly, I mean not at all shockingly. Uh, from 1989, when I was nine years old, through the next like four, three or four Halloweens before I stopped dressing up for Halloween. I was Batman probably three of those four years. Okay. Okay. And, and and then by the time I hit 13, I tried Fox Mulder once, which is basically a trench coat and a suit. And that was kind of it, but, but yeah. So I I dressed as Batman often. 
Ah, man. We should find some, fo- we, should, we should get your parents to find some old photos for a uh, visual companion to this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, no. No. <laughs> no. Uh, now, if you were <clears throat> to buy a Batman costume as an adult, now we see Ben is wearing a Batman 89 model with the, with the all black and the yellow belt. Um, I don't, but it doesn't, it's, it's some sort of hodgepodge because it does okay, not have okay. the yellow oval. That is true. It does and not. the 89 had the yellow oval. Um, yeah, I, I think it is, it's sort of a, just a hybrid sort of, they found the nice looking Batman costume and ran with it. But yeah, ooh, that is a good question. I would probably, ooh, Either go 89. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or, and this would be a little, if I could find a really well-made real world version of the classic Batman, the animated series costume. Ooh. Okay. Okay. That, that would, I mean, that would be number one because that, that is, you know, the platonic ideal of Batman, but I don't know if those exist. I mean, I'm sure they're like kids versions of them, but I've never mm-hmm. seen a really nice, you know, for adults version of that costume. But if I went with one that was a movie version, it would probably be 89 because it's it's distinct. It does not have bat nipples, you know. I, I think I would go, I'd like some color, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I would go for like, an O'Neill and Adams era, like seventies Batman costume, mm. the blue cowl, and the you know gray body stocking or whatever. Yeah, a, a, a very solid choice. A, a Batman costume that lasted for many a decade. Looking forward to, to getting to the story that when they start because that went from you know right around sixty six all the way through post nightfall bruce oh really wow yeah that long. Bruce okay doesn't the costume does not change heavily until bruce returns after the breaking like he he wears that costume to fight Azrael. then dick takes over as batman for a short story and then mm-hmm. when bruce comes back he's in a mostly black the mostly black and gray one that we and i mean that one's even evolved quite a bit over the recent years oh yeah if you want to hear more about batman and me go and check out bat chat uh yes right our uh, our cones and zones listeners will uh of course know about matt's other podcast bat chat with matt and will i i can't resist even though i know you're you're not here for the comic book content you're here for all that good good parks and rec content uh so before i came down here uh to record my wife raised a very good point how can these two afford to treat themselves uh tom and donna specifically on municipal government salaries well we are for tom we are at the point of entertainment 720 yes so tom is burning through all that e720 money He's in debt. Oh, he's deeply in debt. He has no money. He has negative money. Right. Why do I have three kids and no money? Why can't I have no kids and three money? 
<laughs> Another classic sitcom. Uh, yeah, no, Tom, Tom is bad with money. Uh, terrible with money. Donna, I think it makes sense. You know, as, as we've sort of, you know, started talking about earlier, Donna is not just a, a municipal government employee. You know, she has a rich interior life. And, you know, before the end of the show, I don't think we really learn all the things that she's about or her, you know, background, whether she came from money, you know, she gets a realtor's license at some point. So she's got a side hustle. She's, you know, splitting that commission. Uh, so I'm not necessarily worried about her spending habits. No, Donna, I'm sure Donna has, you know, found ways over the years to build a nice nest egg and probably doesn't necessarily need the job that she has, but it's a municipal, it's a government job. You get benefits, you get all that stuff. Why throw away that job until you've got something considerably better lined up? Donna works to live. She's not living to work. Right. I mean, you saw in uh, at the end of season two, begin, I guess first episode of season three, she's the one who easily found a considerably better job than everyone else did in that period when the government was shut down. Mm-hmm. Donna, Donna takes care of Donna. Yes, she's very good at it. Um... This is about when Donna starts to become... By the end of the series, probably definitely the most interesting character on the show and maybe my favorite. A lot of my favorite episodes of Parks and Rec have Donna plots. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and the thing you also tend to and this is this is this might be the first episode where you begin to really see that of everyone on this show even more than Leslie, Donna has the biggest heart of any character on this show. Donna is the one who insists that they bring Ben along, mm-hmm. even though Ben is, you know, complete buzzkill here. Ben is a rubber band stretched so tight he's about to burst. But it will, another of my favorite episodes is the other big example of this is when jerry loses his wedding ring down a sewer grate (laughs) and donna just sits with him and they chat and they reminisce and and donna is the one who in the end insists when jerry after jerry has his fart attack that they go to jerry's house and give him the money Mm donna is the one who can't when april andy and tom would happily have just gone and spent that money on a fancy dinner like no donna knows that they need to do the right thing absolutely also donna live tweeted death canoe four and that was fantastic <laughs> oh yes <laughs> and, and the, the 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 meagle wedding episode remains <laughs> genuine cut it out <laughs> sorry april oh man yeah a lot of a lot of good episodes that are not the focus of this episode. Yes. But, uh, so I was curious, you know, the episode ends, the stinger is, is, uh, Ben coming out. It's still in the Batman costume. And, uh, I think he was just unplugging and plugging back into the router. Was that an it power fantasy for you? 
Oh, hell yes. <laughs> oh, hell yes. Every like, There are times where when I am frustrated, I just like, okay, I need, like, yes, let me watch this. It's like, someday. Someday. I'll get the right costume. Halloween will fall in a day while I'm in the office. And I will absolutely Batman some friggin' IT problems at work. The best part is the little flourish with the cape as he's walking out because the camera pans down. So all you see is the bottom of the cape and his shoes. And it's just that little whoosh. whoosh. We, you got it. You're Batman. You got, you got the cape. You got to use the cape. It's just, it's just a beautiful, small touch. But uh, that, that it, yeah. Absolutely a great Adam Scott. Cause that, that, that's gotta be, that was Adam Scott just be inhabiting that character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he really was Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, the thing we haven't talked about, the reason that he's depressed and they bring him along on their, on their treat yourself adventure is, you know, he and Leslie just basically broke up and decided they couldn't even be friends at this point because they had such strong feelings for each other and they couldn't do anything about them because at that point, the big thing was uh, Chris's rule about, uh, you know, uh, government uh, employees not being able to date do their up. direct reports or, or, you know, however that went. Yeah. And Leslie's running for town council. For, yes. Yeah. And she, so she can't, they can't have the scandal. Yeah. And it, it's really heartbreaking to see just how broken up by this Ben is. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it. They build that very quickly. Like these two are going to get together, and and they draw and they draw it out for a, a decent enough period. And I would argue that you know this isn't one of those shows that dies when they get past the will they won't they. You know, if anything, as a functioning couple, they're even stronger. Absolutely, because I don't think there is a will they, won't they. There, it's a when they yeah. with these two. It was a they gonna, right? And it was the it was going through the hurdles to get there. They never jerk you around with a well. It might not really work out because even when it wasn't, you knew it was. Yeah. This this was a show that was all about the happy ending. This, you know. Yeah. And no one was, they weren't, with a will they weren't they, there's often, these are a mismatched duo, Mm -hmm. Sam and Diane being the classic example. Sure. Ben and Leslie are not a mismatched duo. They work from day one. They worked, well, not necessarily day one because they were butting heads on day one, but the minute they they were too busy firing Mark Brandanowitz on day one. Yes. But the minute they started talking, you knew these were two people who fit. Yeah. Uh, we're in our feelings now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So then finally, we've got the C plot, which is the introduction, the first appearance, uh, uh, put it in your bag and board, uh, if this were a comics podcast, of Millicent Gergich, uh, Jerry's daughter, who dates Chris for a little bit. Um. There's, I mean, it's a C plot. There's not that much meat on the bones. Uh, you know, it was basically like, well, we've got Chris and Jerry. Uh, we didn't really give them anything to do. 
So they're still in the office because apparently that's how government works where everybody else gets to take the day off. And it's just the, the city administrator and this one low level functionary. And Ethel Beavers, I'm sure, up on, on, the, on the fourth uh, floor. On the fourth floor. <laughs> uh, but, Still yeah. got to get Ethel Beavers to do this show. Oh uh, I need God, to have yeah, some yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ain't got much longer. Yeah, we better uh, take care of that. Uh, man, God, we got Mayor Gunderson's dog Rufus before we got Ethel Beavers. <laughs> she just needs to return our calls. I know. She can't hear the phone, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is a very thin C plot. I mean, it has a couple of good joke moments, especially at the end when Jerry is bending down to pick something up and stands up, and Chris is just there. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that is a great, great moment. But it's it's it, yeah, it's just sort of okay. We as you said, we just need to do something with the other two characters, and the. The episode has, you know, three minutes of time. So let's come up with something that'll take three minutes. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Chris is going to date Jerry's daughter and he's going to talk about how they're going to have sex in front of Jerry. And that makes Jerry uncomfortable. So there we've got our kind of weird Jerry moment. Uh, that's that's yeah. Credits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. So that becomes a running gag. The whole, uh, you know, I'm going to be transparent with you. We're probably going to have intercourse, uh, you know, that we get in later episodes, and then they break up, and eventually, uh, Chris, you know, get get goes to his true love, Doctor Richard Nygaard. <laughs> the expression on Jerry's face when Chris is, is as it it ends on this frozen expression on Jerry's face is priceless. Mm-hmm. That much is true. So, so overall, putting these things together, where does this episode rank on the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness? This is top five for me. This is a top five episode. One of my all-time faves. And not just because of the Batman, although that, that helps. <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it does rate, rate high. I mean, you have to... Treat yourself, I think, is a foundational phrase to the show to the point where they bring it back in the final season, you know, and it, and that has weight to it. They were also smart. They didn't do it once a season. You know, they didn't make Treat Yourself like a Halloween episode or, or Galentine's Day or Christmas. So there's that. Yep. And, and fun fact, this episode aired first on October 13th. That does making it my birthday. Thus making my birthday treat yourself day. That's pretty sweet. I, I hope you take off from work for your birthday for that express purpose. Yeah, I do treat yourself. <laughs> that is that is excellent. So uh, yeah, let's let's get into our uh, superlatives for this episode. Uh, who who's the employee of the week? Who who is your best character? Uh, I think I I've got to go with Darren. The Pony Ranger who wants to break the whatever the opposite of the glass ceiling is. Yeah, the reverse gender barrier. I don't, he wants the, to join the Pony Goddesses. Yeah, let's not try to be clever about it. Right, he who just who's got some. He's real. This kid puts on a really good performance, and apparently, having looked him up after, has a really strong career. He what was, else has he done? 
he was the title character on a show that is I don't it's either a Disney or Nickelodeon show Kirby Buckets. He is apparently Kirby Buckets. Okay. And has done 30 plus episodes of Cobra Kai. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I've watched Cobra Kai, but judging by that, he's probably either one of the Cobra Kai kids or one of the Danny LaRusso kids. So makes sense. That's a pretty solid career. If you had, you know, you did 50, I think it was 50 something episodes of Kirby Buckets and now nearly 40 episodes of Cobra Kai. That TV money spends. Okay. Hey. All right. Well, well, good for good for Darren. I also had him as my favorite character. Uh, he had some he had some good lines. Like he wasn't a showy character. He was just like a sad kid who was cold and tired and wanted to come in and play with the girls. And he nailed it. He had like two good lines and he killed them both. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Just this just very perfectly deadpan. Just like. Oh. Sort of, as you said, sad sack, sort of like he just wanted out. He just wanted out. This actually, this segues perfectly because I'm giving best line to Darren also. Uh, at, at one point, he just, he goes over and says to Leslie, all we do is sit in silence and eat beans. <laughs> or no, he says that's wrong because then Ron replies, those beans were a gift. <laughs> which, is a, which is a perfect Ron Swanson response. Uh, for me, best line in this one has to go to Regal Meagle herself as Ben reacts to to treating himself. Uh oh, Batman's crying. <laughs> and again, I cannot do Reda's delivery justice because it's also Reda's delivery of that line. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. <laughs> oh, the, the other best bit is at the very end when Leslie helps Ron set up the Swansons, the yes. out, the new outdoor, Ron's little speech about, you know, what they would do and his final line, this won't be any fun at all. <laughs> and then it's, he smiles. And then he smiles, that Ron Swanson smile. That That is always the best. Like, you know, to get a giggle out of him or like, when he discovers he loves puzzles and riddles. Oh, yes. The, the, the end with <laughs> I can't remember if it's the end of his birthday or the end of somebody else's or the where he's, you know, say to Leslie, you know, for, for my birthday, I don't want you to give me one of those puzzle things. No, not at all. No puzzles. I want it. Please do that for me. Please do that for me. <laughs> so excited. Oh, man. Uh, now, now we've got Johnny Karate's Learn Something. Uh, what life lesson did this episode teach you, Matt? Uh, for me, I had I have to take treat yourself on a deeper level because I'm someone who tends to work himself to exhaustion, and I, I bury my anxiety and stress in work, and and it reminds me as that I need to treat myself better than I do, and especially seeing Ben because as Amber often points out, uh, Ben Wyatt is just me who's better with numbers. So, so yeah, I have to take the lesson that Ben was taught and, and really internalize it. That, that is a good one. Certainly, you know, I, you, you got to treat yourself. That is no uh, number one lesson of the show. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a deeper level, I'm kind of focusing on the A plot. You know, this episode also deals, you know, in its own way with gender parity issues and scouting, which is interesting. I, I had to look up when, uh, 
the the BSA actually let girls into the Boy Scouts. And it wasn't until this episode aired in 2011. BSA did not let in Girl Scouts until 2019. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Eight years later, right before the pandemic, basically. Uh, that's when they allowed girls to formally join the organization. Uh, you know, so there's 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 that there's the the sort of push for for breaking down those gender barriers now of course this lighthearted network sitcom doesn't get into the larger issues within the boy scouts of decades of sexual abuse because this is not the venue for that no there are times law and order svu maybe (laughs) oh yeah yeah i'm glad that they they didn't you know try to go there because you know there are there are times where sitcoms try to do those deeper plots and they at best turn out as very special episodes yes and at worst just come off as tone deaf and bad and parks and rec knew that that was not the place for them to go it is it is another reminder though when you kind of look back on this show you know after this whole show aired before we got four years of Trump, a global pandemic, an insurrection, and a potential world war. And the politics of this show are positively gentle. You, you they, they really are just like, you, I, at one point, and I, I'll never, you and I had been talking, and I, I don't think it was just you and me. We might've been, it might've been on an episode. It might've mm-hmm. been somewhere else. Cause we were a group. There was at least somebody else involved. We were talking about sitcoms that haven't, haven't aged well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I think Parks and Rec has aged pretty well. And you pointed out that the politics of Parks and Rec are very much of the Obama era. Oh, yeah. You can't have a show that looks at the good that government can do in the modern era. It's, it's, you have to treat it as, as parody, like Veep. Or, I mean, you could go the, the Sorkin West Wing route in the Bush years and treat it as you know an ideal but you can't have a show that is just about the simple joys of serving others it, it doesn't fit the zeitgeist that we exist in currently yeah i you know i i think for us coming at the time that it did you know we have the privilege i guess of treating it as as nostalgic uh you know Certainly, I, I I I wish the world were that simple. Uh, but here we are. <laughs> um, okay, next we have the Gary Jerry Larry Ging- Gergich Gengerch Award for excellence in secondary characters. Uh, now, <laughs> the fun the this episode did not actually have a ton of the Pawnee players in it. Uh, but I do want to give a shout out to the man who gives Tom Haverford his shout out at the beginning of the episode, DJ Blunts. Where did he come from? Where did Tom find him? I know he worked at Entertainment 720. Was he a DJ at the Snake Hole Lounge before that? I want to know his story. You know, you know how, you know, you, you do Star Wars comics for a long enough time and you get the story of like the guy who was sitting in the corner of the Mos Eisley Cantina when when Chewie was ripping the arm off the pig man, like he's that he's on the level of that guy. 
eventually he's going to get his own comic written by Jerry Duggan and drawn by Phil Noto. <laughs> yeah, you know, there are there are characters that, you know, you know, I mean, I, I, I've you remember when I pitched my whole Ken Hotate pitch, but <laughs> I don't have a full pitch for a DJ Blunt's thing. But there's definitely there is definitely material there, yeah. even if it's just him trying to hunt Tom down to get that money that he was promised that Entertainment 720 never paid him for. <laughs> Along with that, all those that basketball feels like players, Luke Cage trying to shake down Doctor Doom. <laughs> Where's my money, honey? <laughs> but yeah, no, we're not the ones to write that. Where's no. uh... I'm not the one to write the Ken Hotade pitch either. No. But 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 I can uh, dream that you know someone better can can, can run with that pitch idea and, and make yeah. it authentic. So Charlemagne the God, if you're out there, <laughs> I know you write <laughs> stuff occasionally. <laughs> Ah, man. But um, what else do we need to say about this episode? I, th- I think we, we've covered it pretty well. I think this is a this is a, an all timer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly agree to that. Uh, next week, we'll be covering season four, episode five, meet and greet, in which Tom sabotages Leslie's attempt to get in good with the business community as she runs for city council in April. And Andy throw a Halloween party without telling Ben, which means we get to see Ron in his pirate costume again. <laughs> but in the meantime, you can listen to this show on Pony Today with Joan Calamezzo. You heard with Perb, Thought for Your Thoughts with Derry Murbles and Crazy Ira in the douche. <laughs> And check us out on Patreon, where at the Little Sebastian tier, we will literally mail you 5,000 candles. And until next time, folks, treat yourself. 